What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Alongside my co-host, John LaRocca. What is going on, my friend? Happy, what, Thursday night? Friday morning for people listening to this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm doing uh, I'm doing good, and I'm ready to talk some some wrestling and fighting and boxing and everything else in between. So, if uh, our, our listeners know that your uh, your wife Katrina recently had your third child, and like our schedule hasn't even changed much. Like you guys have just been able to uh you know it's it's, it's, it's by, by by this time it's your third child you guys got this thing down pat i fully expected us to have to like change the schedule here and there change some dates maybe change some times and it's pretty much been the same thing yeah so far so good um i mean it's been tough i mean three's been tough and really tough when i went back to work and katrina's you know she's manning the shit by herself here all day so i mean she's being super mom it's a lot on her but uh yeah, but so far so good. We've been able to keep our uh, our schedule like weekly, and I. Uh, but it was funny. I was we used to always kind of joke before we recorded. I was like, I hope my daughter Chloe doesn't do a run in, mm-hmm. and she made her first run in. I don't know if it made the cut. I didn't listen to it, but on uh, pro wrestling, uh, pro wrest, uh, God, what's paradise on uh, sorry, pro wrest paradise with Alan Four L that I recorded with him the other day. Chloe made a run in. She woke Uh-oh. up in the middle of the night and uh, she uh, she talked to she talked to Alan. She met Alan from Ireland, so that was really <laughs> cool. But uh, I don't think it I don't think it made the cut. But um, um, yeah, she, you know, kids are fighting coals this week, and yeah, she had a, it was a it was a nerve wracking recording. That's all I gotta tell you because I was just keeping one ear open to the door if she's gonna come out of a room and or you know so so. And and that's on uh, the Pro Wrestling Torch website, right? That's Alan's yeah. show on the Torch. Yes, uh, you have to be a VIP subscriber to listen to that one. But we talk about um, some most recent uh, matches in Japan, not New Japan, but uh, stuff from Noah, stuff from Zero One, and we also talk about a match from Beyond Wrestling with David Starr and Eric Stevens, which was one hell of a matchup. So uh, I failed to mention this in the in the beginning, but um, the the that uh, new the new our new intro music is from BCB Sean, who is uh, who's a friend of my oldest son's, and they actually put some music together. So I told my son, I said, you know, I'm you you're uh, you're always asking for a few dollars here and there well you better send me like some theme music or something so he sent me uh he he worked it out with with sean who you can um you can find on twitter at sean underscore white seven so if you want to check out bcb sean that's where you can find him also this podcast is sponsored by untuck it uh as we've mentioned before, uh, being on the Blue Wire network, we are part of the Blue Wire familia. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring on a uh, someone else who's on the Blue Wire network, just recently joined. We shouted out her podcast last week, Heidi Fang, someone who we know very well because she's been doing picks with us for the last several years and someone I went to high school with, actually. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in in the interview that I did with her. Uh, she's on. She's going to be on the show to talk about UFC uh, two forty six. So Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone, the big main event this weekend. 
Uh, we'll talk about that with her. And I also wanted to shout out some of the content on the website, fightgamemedia.com. Uh, earlier today, uh, our buddy Ryan Frederick, who writes for uh, the Wrestling Observer and Figure Four website, but he also does the UFC recaps for Big Dave's uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter these days. He's been doing that, I think, probably since Big Dave when he messed up his hand, and then I think he's just continued to do it. So he's, you know, he's he's been writing a lot about the UFC, and he wanted to do a live blog for our website. So he's he's out there in Las Vegas right now. He went to all the media day stuff today, and he was just kind of updating as as it happened. So check that out. It's on the front page of the website. It's probably the first post there. So check out his live blog. He's also going to be um, blogging the weigh-ins and and all that stuff leading up to the uh, the Saturday show. So that's that's up there. We also have a piece uh, on Marty Skrull, uh written by our buddy Chris, aka Zach Malibu. Uh, he wrote, uh, he, you know, he works for uh, Figures Toy Company, and he has a pretty good relationship with a lot of the ROH talent. Um, that those are a lot of the figures that that his company's made is based on relationships with the ROH talent. So it's a pretty good like sort of like bird's eye view of of what's going on in ROH. He knows some of the guys and he had an interesting uh, perspective on ROH re-signing Skrull and what it could mean for 2020. And, you know, their, their 2019 started off with a bang, but ended in a, you know, in, in a way that made people believe that, you know, are they still going to be around? And they've actually doubled down. They've signed Bandito. Um, they've signed Skrull. I know they're, you know, they're trying to sign other guys. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure they're they're trying really hard to sign Jeff Cobb as well. So they're not going away. And I think it's actually pretty cool because, you know, for for all this time we've been saying, you know, when are they going to invest in in in, in wrestling? And you know. I still have a problem with the production in general, but you know they're spending money to keep these guys and to to try to you know I know they're doing some stuff with NWA. Marty is actually uh, I, I think he's going to be at the next NWA tapings. So you know they're they're doing stuff. They're trying to be creative and and they're still out there. So check out Chris's piece. But uh, I also wanted to ask John, you know, just your thoughts on on what ROH is doing, bringing back Marty, who was a semi uh, large free agent on the market, not on the market anymore. But what were your thoughts on them bringing him back and kind of giving him a little bit of, of creative uh, input there to, uh, you know, to strengthen uh, what they hope, I guess, to be to strengthen their main event scene. Well, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad that the people, you know, Sinclair is getting uh, behind their wrestling product here and, you know, want to get back in the game and being competitive again. Yeah. They had a really bad, you know, end of or mid from actually after uh the massacre garden show with new japan after that they just kind of quickly quickly fell into a a deep hole a lot of people were upset with the product and i think this is a really good move for them um i you know it was i think it was like a few months ago i did hear through the grapevine the wrestling grapevine (laughs) as we call it um that roh is gonna offer marty the biggest contract they've ever given anyone and he was leaning on taking it and so when he resigned i wasn't shocked because i when i heard that news i was a little surprised about the creative i didn't think the creative part was uh going to be in it and from my understanding he is the head booker now of roh and um you know from my understanding too 
Delirious is just, you know, he's doing so much there in ROH. He's booking, he's doing all this other stuff, and so he's getting pulled in four or five different directions. So this really frees him up. It's not like, say, he's not going to be a part of creative, and it's just all Mari Scroll and whoever else. Um, he'll be a part of creative, but this he this will allow him to fig- work on other matters at ROH um, while Scroll can work on creative and then also get some fresh fresh mind and creative and and we'll see what they what they're gonna do with that. And it looks like Scroll's already kinda bridged that gap or with uh, New Japan again and whatever that was strained, you know, for a little while there. But look at what they're doing with their supercard of honor come WrestleMania weekend. They got a bunch of New Japan guys on that show. So I think that's a great move from them. I think ROH is gonna have a better presence in New Japan and vice versa again. So it's just gonna make their company uh, even stronger. So um yeah. I'm looking forward to it, and and we'll see who else they can sign. And I also think you know the, the joining up with the NWA is is fun too. Just adds a little um, little extra excitement to their product and NWA's product. So I think it's good for the wrestling as a whole. So if you kind of pull back and and sort of take a look at the wrestling scene, we're gonna have uh, an AWA uh, a- AWA AEW story uh, after uh, you know a- after the halfway point of the show. We'll talk a little bit about the the great news that they had. But if you look at the landscape, obviously WWE is top dog, and they are going to be top dog for a long time. But you had for the longest time in at least in the U.S. you had impact or tna and roh and they were such a um you know they they, they you, you could look back in, in in the late 2000 uh first decade of the 2000s and look at uh, actual ratings for impact and go wow they weren't they were actually doing fairly well for that time frame they weren't doing as well as they needed to to do but compared to today's numbers based the, you know you look back and go oh wow like they actually did good ratings but i think you know, when you look at all of these companies sort of fighting for that number two spot, and now with this contract with the AW thing that we'll talk about later, they are clearly the number two behind WWE um, in the world. And, you know, New Japan is there. New Japan's trying to expand in the US, Impact, ROH. They're all sort of fighting for, you know, what what is left of, of the US wrestling um, market. And so what I think is interesting is you could look at it in a couple different ways. One, there's really no room for anybody outside of WWE and AEW. Like I I can see people looking at it that way. The other way to look at it is you have these other companies who, in order to stay afloat, need to be a little bit more creative. Maybe it is working with each other. Maybe it is, like you said, Marty, working with New Japan. He's got an in there. He's probably going to work for New Japan as well and do tours there. He's friends with guys at AEW if they wanted to do anything there. He's got those relationships. So to that point, I think it's really smart because you know, one of the things that can be a little bit different or creative is for some of these guys to work together because they just don't have the vast rosters that Ron SmackDown and NAW do have, but they, you can be creative and you can be different. And, and one of the ways to actually gain a foothold 
is to be different because obviously WWE is going to do what they do. AEW is trying to figure out where they fit in and, and really, you know, they, they sometimes they're a little bit too like WWE and sometimes they're too different from WWE. But there is a place for another company. Now, I just don't know if there's a place for three third place finishers, you know, mm-hmm. there, the, the, I, that that's what I would that's what I'm wondering how that's going to, to play out. You know, obviously NXT sort of fits in there. I'm counting them as WWE, but they, but they're sort of going for that same audience too. NXT is is right there going for that that AEW audience going for, you know, that ROH audience. So it, that how that whole sh- thing shakes out uh, for this year, I think is going to be a really interesting story. Yeah, yeah, and then and nothing but good wins for the fans, right? I mean, we need a lot of great stuff, and then well, to some to some extent, I think it is going to be a win for the fans, but it could also be, and 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 we we won't know, we you know, but for a lot of fans, what will happen is is they're like, gosh, you know, there's so much to watch. How do I keep up? Because we've already talked about that from the NWA Power perspective, right? We're like, yeah, this show's kind of fun, but like. How do you fit it in? AEW Dark, yeah, the show's kind of fun, but how do you fit it in when you have so many other things to watch? Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's going to be a struggle. I mean, I know when before family, I was able to do it all, but you know, for the, <laughs> the ones that are single, be a lot easier for sure. Well, let's think about when you know, think about when we were probably the biggest wrestling fans of of our life. We you know, when we we're like teenagers or whatever, we didn't like we were having to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning on Sunday to watch or Saturday to watch like WCW power hour or whatever. Mm Like we, I mean, we had to search and hunt and today it's sort of just right at your lap. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that today. Like I was just thinking like, there's a lot of great like matches coming up. Like there's a match, um, this weekend and, and, and at Black Label Pro with uh, Tom Lawler, Eric Stevens, and you know, there's Tom Lawler, Jeff Cobb coming up. There's uh, T Hawk and Hammerstone and MW, and I'm like, you can literally get this stuff quickly. Like, there's no mm-hmm. waiting. Like when they air, it's gonna air quickly, you know, or you can just stream it on a paying site, or someone's gonna post it on a streaming service for free that you can watch. So it's like you can get content so fast now. And it's like back in the day, it'd be like. Searching, like you said, when we were younger, right? Look at the TV guide or even from tape trading, like tape trading and waiting week or two to get it in the mail, you know? So it's just, it's just wild how it is now. It's so easy. And, and, but yeah, there's so much content though. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, we'll see how that breaks out. Like I know we we're going to disagree on this show and we don't have to really cover it or review it, but I found the WWE NXT UK show to be, I would say, 75% missable. Now, there was a great match, a really great match, with Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin that I was, overall, was happy that I watched the show because I got to see that. But in the whole scheme of things where, you know, our time is is very valuable. Now, I'm not saying that I don't waste time, you know, watching goofy stuff because, you know, if I have it on in the background, I total, I'm totally a fan of watching uh, goofy stuff. But I, I sat there and watched that WWE UK show, and I was like, if I had to, if I if if I had to watch this because I was covering it for our podcast, fine. That's just sort of part of the gig. 
it, uh, and and you know that's partially why I did watch it, just in case there was something for us to talk about. But as a fan who can sort of pick and choose what I what I want to watch, that show I felt for a large amount of it was a little bit of a waste of my time. And some of it is because I don't really know the guys as well as I would if I watched, you know, the regular, the, the weekly TV. But also on the flip side, I'm sure a lot of people watch that show on the network who don't watch the regular weekly TV. So so there were a lot of people like me and I don't know how, you know, I don't know if they liked it or didn't like it. But um, that's like that's a, a couple of hours where I was like, OK, that was probably not the best usage. I could have done something else. I could have watched something else in that time frame. And I think more and more what this competition or what all of these hours means is that we don't really have time to watch something that's not good because there is so much good. Like, you you know, you, I'm sure you and Alan were talking about amazing stuff that a lot of people don't really get a chance to watch. Um, because they're watching other stuff. And I'm like thinking like, man, if I, you know, if I didn't watch this UK show, uh, and I could have invested that into watching a different hour or two of wrestling, I probably could have done a better job at watching something that was really, really good that I felt like I got my value out of. But I think that's also, that's going to be kind of one of the things in, in this year, which is where are you going to put your attention? And do we have the um, can we watch stuff that isn't high quality or isn't important? I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that as much this year as I have in the past. True. Yeah. For me, for me, too, it's going to be a little bit of struggle just because of kids and and life out, you know, beyond beyond wrestling. But uh, like for me, you know, I try to find time when I can, like the UK show, the NXT UK show in general, the regular show that's weekly. Um, I, you know, I don't watch it the, right when I put it up on that same night i usually watch it with the sometime during the weekend and uh and uh for me who follows the products um i really enjoyed that show the takeover show i thought that was really good and so i think it's also i'm different than you i, I watched the product i'm a little invested more in the storylines i've seen you know seen the bills so things mean a little bit more so i can understand like when you're just watching it cold maybe you're not interested in certain characters or what are or, you know but um but yeah, when you when you, it's easier when you watch it, of course. That's anything. Like I can pop in an MLW show and appreciate maybe the match, but like it's hard to get into the story if you don't really watch it weekly. You know, it's just that's the way it goes. All right, so um, what we're gonna do here is uh, we will uh, read the ad live. This is the first time that we actually read the ad live. I usually kind of pre-tape them and uh, and just pop them in, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to we're gonna read an ad and then we'll come back and then we'll talk a little bit about Tyson Fury. There's there's a lot of promotion going on in this Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight. And then, uh, and then we'll we'll talk to Heidi, and then we'll go through our normal Wednesday Night War stuff, and follow up with uh, with the We Want Flair segment. So, John, I know that you are uh, someone who, if you're gonna wear, if you're gonna dress up, you're probably gonna wear a button up, nice button up. You're gonna wear some some jeans and some nice shoes. Like that's kind of a, a style that you know that that we use when when we're going out. And that fits right with our sponsor, which is Untuck It. Um, 
Untuck It is the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. There are some shirts that have a decent length, but there's a lot of shirts that are just so long when you leave it untucked. And so for Untuck It, you know, no matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. And so for someone like me, like, you know, I got kind of bigger shoulders and and uh, shirts don't always fit me perfectly. Um, this these, these shirts fit really close to your to your frame. So um, if you if that's a problem with dress shirts or whatever, like give Untucked a try. Um, so whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That is U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and the promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight. It, it is it's still, you know, it's still a month and a maybe 5 weeks away, but it's going to be such a gigantic fight. Now the build up is the build up. You have ESPN and Fox having to work together, which means Bob Arum um and uh uh, the premier boxing guy, I always forget his name. I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> the people who are like, why are you talking about boxing if you do not know uh, uh, the, this guy's name? But anyways, so ESPN and Fox are working together on this fight. You know, in, the boxing industry is not one in which you have a lot of cross promotion because... Um, you know, you just, it's just hard to work together. Why would, why do you split up the pie when, when you can, uh, when you can keep the whole thing? Al Heyman is the guy I was thinking of, by the way. I always forget Al Heyman's name and I'm not exactly sure why. He was actually the, uh, I think he was the manager of, uh, like Destiny's Child or Beyonce or something. So, um, so the, this fight is probably going to do, if Mayweather and Pacquiao fight again, uh, that'll probably be the top that the top grossing fight of the year. If McGregor and Pacquiao or McGregor and Mayweather fight again, you know that'll that'll also probably be bigger. But outside of those fights, when it comes to actual pay per view buys, this Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury is probably going to be uh, the top fight when it comes to pay per view. So the story that came out in the promotion of this fight that was just as silly as anything and was maybe the funniest thing that I've heard in a long time is Tyson Fury talking about how to raise his testosterone levels in a natural way. Now, what are some of the ways that people raise their testosterone levels naturally? I, I, I was trying to think about this. Um, like, you know, there's, I know uh, some of the old Stone Cold Steve Austin podcasts, he would talk about this product called T plus. This was a way to raise your testosterone levels, but every other ways to do it are, you know, you got to take steroids or whatever these testosterone boosters. Tyson Fury has a way. He says that in order to raise his testosterone levels, 
he does a little bit of self-love and he does it not one, not two, not three times a day, but seven times a day. And he's not 16 years old. He's in his 30s. (laughs) So when you saw that story, when you heard this way of Tyson Fury trying to raise those testosterone levels, what was the first thing that you thought? I just started laughing. That's all. How can you not just laugh at the story? Just ridiculous. I think Tyson Fury is just screwing around the media. (laughs) It's early on build, right? It's just get some, get a quick headline in there, something ridiculous to get some attention on him and this fight. And, and then they'll get to more of the serious trash talk and stuff. But yeah, that's, that's awesome stuff. I must've had some magnificent testosterone when I was, uh, when I was younger, I guess. (laughs) Um, excuse me. The, uh, yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing you're right. I mean, he's, he's, he's just trying to create headlines and, and, and that's, and that's what you're supposed to do, uh, at, at this point in, in the game. Um, what do you, do, do you, have you heard anything about him still doing stuff with WWE at this point? No, nothing officially yet, but I can see him. What's this fight? The fight's in what? March, right? Early no, March? The February 22nd, maybe? It's, it's in like the near, it's third week of February, something like that. All right. So he's not going to do anything at the Rumble, I wouldn't think, unless they were really smart with him and he was able to get in there and get out or something. But, uh, it, you know, if they do something to Rumble, then yeah, but... I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I know there's a rumor out there. It's me, him, and Brock Lesnar. But there's a big risk to like put your eggs in that basket when a guy's gonna be fighting and he could be on the losing end of it. So you know, mm-hmm. I just don't see. I think that card that came out was a lot of bull. A lot of, a lot yeah. of just someone was just you know just trying to do a hoax and people bought onto it. But um, yeah. Um, I don't think WWE's really going to do that unless he wins and his wins big and becomes an even bigger star. I mean, people know him. Um, I think he's still, I think still with the hardcores mostly, you know, the fall boxing and get a little, little mm-hmm. more, a little more popular, but, um, you know, he's not like Canelo or something like that. Right. I think. Right. So, so I don't know if they would really waste their time with a WrestleMania match. I think it's okay for the Saudi Arabia show like they did, but WrestleMania main event, ah, I can't see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Tyson Fury at this point, he is uh, probably not too interested in WWE, probably a lot more interested in uh, fast forwarding and rewinding the uh, Phoebe Kate scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, maybe he's, just, he's probably just shooting an angle. So after this fight, he's going he's gonna to be on the next Fast and the Furious movie. That's what, they're, <laughs> that's what he really wants, that Fast and Furious payday. <laughs> fast and Furious seven times a day. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's actually throw it to the interview that I did with Heidi Fang earlier this week. So basically, the idea was, you know, obviously McGregor and uh, and Cerrone is uh, this weekend, so we we do talk about that. We talk a little bit about the card, but also I, w- I was just wondering what she thought about the first quarter of uh, the UFC's year. I think it's really strong. There was another fight that was just announced today. Um, uh, Israel Adesanya against uh, Yoel Romero, so they they are they are putting uh, some really good fights out there, uh, and we talked about that, and we talked about 
some of the uh, uh, Macy Barber in particular. I shared a clip of that of the of that piece of the interview that I did with her on social as a sort of a preview to this podcast. But I think she's going to be. I think she's really good. When we, when we did our fight game blog or fight game media awards, um, and we have the sort of like who's next, like who's the one to keep your eye out on for uh, 2020. For me, it was it was Macy Barber. I think she because you know partially because in in the women's divisions there's not a lot of depth. So if you actually are the goods, you can you can you know kind of get get into the title picture fairly quickly. So she was my pick, and she faces uh, Roxanne Modafferi, uh this weekend. So yeah, good stuff with with Heidi. So let's uh, let's listen to that interview now. All right, bringing on Heidi Fang here, someone who I've known for a very long time, all the way back to the days. On the east side of San Jose. Heidi, what's going on? East side? First of all, you have to say that every time someone says east side San Jose. <laughs> you just can't get away with not saying it. It's just, it's tradition, I think, at this point. But <laughs> doing great, man. How are you? If our friend Carla listens, you just busted her up laughing right now. Oh, Carla. I remember Carla. Good times. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, yeah, so I just want to bring you on and talk some uh, UFC stuff. But first and foremost, I know that you are now a part of the uh, Blue Wire family network. Uh, both of your podcasts, the, uh, the the MMA podcast that you do for for um, the Review Journal, uh, RJ Ringside, and then the Vegas uh, Nation podcast you do about the Raiders. Both of those are now on Blue Wire. So congratulations. But man, like, how do you how do you find the time to to do two podcasts on like kind of completely different topics? <laughs> yeah, I literally spend any free time I have that is apart from my family and work scouring the internet for details on other things. Like, you know, uh, forget about watching TV series, and you know, I engulf myself in football. I come, like, you know, I'm really ready for the championship game for this evening. And um, that's something I'm going to be analyzing as though I'm Mike Mayock and trying to figure out like, because <laughs> last year, you know, the Raiders drafted a lot of guys from uh, the championship game and they, they brought them into the fold of this new blood that the Raiders are trying to infuse into their team. So uh, I think they're also going to take a strong look at a lot of the players in tonight's game. So yeah, I'm totally uh, engulfing myself in every aspect of MMA, looking all over social media and same with the football. It's just something you have to do to be able to stay on top of it. Okay, so Vegas, obviously, so much stuff to do in Vegas are they actually excited for the Raiders? Like in in all of the, you know, there's stuff happening every day, every weekend. There's UFC, there's boxing. Now they have a football team. Like how fired up is Vegas for the Raiders? I'm going to say it's eight out of 10 people that I talk to about it. Eight of them are excited. And there's two that are like, ah, you know, I wish they weren't coming here. I wish they'd spend the money on education or, you know, um, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that the money, I think that the way it is interpreted is that the money came from like a hotel tax, you know, that was added in. And that money was how Vegas got to help build the stadium from public funds. So, um, 
you know, I believe that part of that is still appropriated to schools. So it's not as though entirely, you know, the tax budget has changed over just to bring the Raiders here to Las Vegas. But um, I think there's a lot of excitement for this team. There's obviously people, you know, when it comes to NFL, people are already decided on their teams. But Vegas is enough of a transient type city where the, you get people of all realms. You know, there's Saint fans, there's Bronco fans, there's uh, people from the Giants, you know, back in New York that move out here because of easier living and that kind of thing. So there's plenty of different fans here, but at the same time, when you get an NFL team here in the city, these people are excited about it because they get to ch- at the chance to maybe see their team play the Raiders in the coming year. Um, they have the opportunity to check out this new stadium and the state of the art technology. So you can see that there are a lot of people excited about it. And for the city of Henderson, it's really going to bring up the... Um, I guess, quality of living there. They're already building these new promenades and things like that, where it used to be empty fields in between uh, the spot where the M Hotel is and where the south end of the Strip is. And now that area is getting built up. So there's going to be more jobs available. There's going to be infrastructure there for people who want to work at this stadium or, you know, want to work in these uh, areas that are building up around the Raiders headquarters. So there's going to open up a lot of opportunity for this city. And I think it's a good thing. So, excuse me. Um, how how the stadium i saw uh there was a video a couple weeks ago of, of a like a, a view of the stadium and it looked awesome like you've been watching this thing you know probably every week just get built incrementally like how does it look to you uh, it's looking like it's getting close to the done phases. You see this outside mirroring that's been going up and it started out, you know, like you said, in phases, like I drive by it every day for work. So and when I work on the strip for different events like this week's UFC, I'm going to be driving past it every single day, maybe four times a day. So it's something that I always see. And right now the mirroring is all the way around the building and the stadium, excuse me, I should not call it a building. It is a stadium. And the glass is coming all the way up to the top now. And all that's left to really do is bring the roof up and then build up the rest of that glass around that area. So uh, I think it's something that, you know, you're starting to see really come together. You can see inside um, in some of the parts where they're going to put the torch and they're going to have these like big glass veranda type windows that open to see the strip. And that's where the torch, the eternal flame um, is going to be. And that's where they're going to light it for every game. Like they have been in the past and it's going to be really something to see um, how that looks on a game day with that flame lit and overlooking the strip. And wow, it's, I think just going to be something to marvel at for quite some time, be awestruck by we are we are going to start talking about the UFC, but sort of as a as a transition here, could the UFC run a stadium show with the right fight? I don't know what that fight would be today. You know, maybe it's a you know Connor does well. We'll talk about Connor in a bit, and and he fights Khabib again. I don't know if that would would be enough of a draw to to put that many people in a stadium. But could you see the UFC running a stadium show? Uh, sometime in the near future with this with this new piece of uh, of construction uh, in in Vegas. 
Absolutely. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. It's like, you know, in Dallas, there's always been that tease that maybe they run it out in Jerry World. But I mean, now that their home base has a stadium, a 65,000 seater, I don't understand why they wouldn't. The only thing right now that I would put as a caveat is that that monorail isn't completely ready to go uh, all the way out as it was planned to. And you, in addition, don't have a whole lot of parking right now. But there have been uh, business people that have bought up that area around the stadium and they're going to start building a whole lot more parking in addition. So when you have that plan there, then you're like, okay, where are fans going to park? Because there isn't going to be enough parking. As one of my colleagues put it, they said the parking passes will probably be more coveted than actually getting a ticket um, to, to see a game. So when you when you think about all of that and how a UFC runs... Of course, fans could park at other places, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of shuttles to bring them into the stadium. But when you want to put on a massive UFC event that's going to house 65,000 seats, you're going to want to make sure you have enough parking places for those people. And right now, that's not in place. I would say maybe 2021 that could happen down the road, but I don't see it happening in the first year that the stadium's around. All right, let's start talking about uh, UFC 246. Obviously, we kick off UFC's uh, Q1 with their biggest star, Conor McGregor. He is back, and he is facing Donald Cerrone. Um, what have you heard about Conor? I know he just did an, an interview with Ariel, but just as far as like the kind of shape that he's in, because over the last, you know, over 2019, all we heard was just detrimental stuff that he he was doing and. Maybe not in the greatest shape, and you know, maybe having a a few a few uh, too much partying going on, or, or whatever you want to call it. But what have you heard about him as far as just mentally and physically for this fight? Mentally, it's interesting. Uh, I'll just start there in the mental side of things because if you heard the Ariel interview and you've seen a lot of the things, like you said, there's the sexual abuse allegations going against him right now. Um, there's the incident that he had with the old man in the bar uh, that's since been resolved where he inflicted harm on a person that just declined a drink, basically, uh, an old elderly man at that. So when you hear about everything that's happened in his world, that has to take a toll, whether or not any of the allegations that are currently pending against him are true or not, that has yet to be seen. Either way, if he's innocent, if he's guilty, that is going to take a toll on his mindset. You have to, you know, there's things you have to process. There's lawyer things that you have to go through. There's court things that you have to go through. There's the, um, you know, Victims out there, if they are victims, I can't really say that because they're allegations. So right now we have to say that, you know, um, it's plausible that this happened. It's just so many things right now with him that you can't just, you know, point fingers and say he did it. You have to wait for the course to play out. But I think that any any of that is going to take a toll on any person, regardless of if you're innocent or guilty. And uh, on top of that, you're preparing for a big fight, a comeback, a sport that you said you were done with. And now you're like, OK, I'm coming back in. Uh, I got to get everything in order for this fight, which is going to be massive. And he's doing it at 170. So um, physically, I think this is something that is a pretty big deal because He's got to put on a lot of mass somehow, whether he's putting it on with a lot of muscle or whether he's just kind of bulking up, like, you know, making himself a, a 
bloated, I guess you could say, 170. But it's something that we haven't seen him compete at, really. And um, whether or not he's putting on that weight the right way is yet to be seen. If he does it the wrong way, he's going to end up being a lethargic-type fighter in there against somebody in Cerrone who's been very active. So that's something that, of course, we're going to see as the fight plays out. Um, You know, you can prep for these fights, but there's always an adrenaline dump. And someone like Connor obviously is very well seasoned in the sport, but after the hiatus coming back, everything else, you know, whether he feels he has to prove himself all over to the public and that mindset, like we talked about again, just everything kind of coming together at once. It's a fuel and a rush of emotion and adrenaline. So that's going to be something to see if he can still stand that test. And theoretically, Cerrone is the opponent because, A, Cerrone's great. He's he's action fighter, fan favorite. But also, he's not someone who necessarily uses his entire skill set because he he does go for those, you know, fight, fight of the night bonuses. And he, he, he has built his reputation on being an, an action fighter. And, you know, from a lot of the things that I've read, uh, people are, are saying, you know, if Cerrone wanted to you know, wanted to make this a strategic fight and actually win the fight. He could because of his skill set. But the the mindset is that he's not. He's going to go. They're going to trade and they're going to put on a hell of a performance uh, for that fan base. And, you know, theoret- that that's kind of why he he's the guy, right? That's kind of why he's he was uh, the, the one for this fight. But uh, what do you think happens in, you know, it's a five rounder, like you said, you know, we'll see as far as as far as Connor's uh, condition and if he could you know, if he could go for the for for five hard rounds. But how do you see this thing ending up? It, I haven't yet actually made a prediction on it, but right now I'm leaning with Cerrone. Uh, obviously, Connor hits very hard. We've seen that. But a lot of people now know to expect that left hand. So he's going to have to be creative in there. And against somebody like Cerrone, who I believe has fought six times in 14 months, that's going to be... <laughs> difficult to do it against somebody who's seen it all. He's been around since the WEC days. You know, he's somebody that's always come ready for his his fights. And I think in the beginning of his career, there was a lot of question marks with Cerrone as to whether or not he had main event issues because when he was placed into big main event fights, there was a lot of times you would just see him fall off. Like even the Dos Anjos fight, I mean, he lasted in the, what, in the first round, he, he was finished. So that was a real quick one. And a lot of people were questioning Cerrone as a main eventer, but he's since really proven a lot of people wrong. Um, he's lived up to the expectation, I think, now of those. And he he's not having the issues that he had in the past with being in main events. So I think Cerrone now is somebody that is really in the right place at the right time in his career. And it came a lot later, I think, than some people thought. But he's really just been able to take control of who he is in that octagon. He's comfortable in his skin, if you know what I mean. And he's putting all things together. So this is going to be a very tough Cowboy Cerrone for McGregor, who's coming off of a, I think, 15-month hiatus, to be able to get through and to penetrate. Uh, I mean, from the looks of the card, you know, it, it is a, a one fight show, at least for the, you know, the casual fan base. Like this is this is the main fight. But is there what, what else do you like on this card and what else do you think could be could be good for the show? 
Yeah, this card has a lot of ladies on it. And one of my, I, I think more so than the co-main, I'm really looking forward to this Claudia Gedelia fight against Alexa Grasso because Grasso is somebody that came into the UFC with lofty you know, expectations from the pundits and the fans. And, you know, we saw what she was capable of in Invicta. Um, and she hasn't really quite put it together yet in the octagon, but she is still up there as far as the rankings. And then you see Gedelia and she's somebody that, you know, has just been able at times to run through her opponents, but she also hit some rough patches, you know. So it's somebody I think that could really get back to contending for that uh, championship, but she's got some work to do. So this is going to be an interesting fight for both of them, I think stylistically as well. Um, Gadelia has been somebody that's been able to close the distance on their opponents and make it like gritty fights, and she's been able to grind out her opponents, and she is tough and. Uh, Alexa, with that boxing background, it's going to be interesting to see if she can get into the range and make this her fight. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. So the the one that I'm really looking forward to, and it's it's mostly because I really love her story as a prospect. Uh, Macy Barber and uh, Roxanne uh, Modafferi. And, you know, everyone knows Roxanne if you've been a fan of, of, of MMA for any time. Because she is, you know, she's someone who's been around for for a long time. And this is interesting to me because I just love Macy's story. I love the story of her her father um, and, and what they've done with her career. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope, you know, it looks like at least, you know, she could be a star uh, in, in the flyweight division. Um, what do you what do you think about Macy as a as a prospect, as someone who who is putting together a resume for for a possible title fight, you know, in a couple years down the road. I love Macy Barber's style. I love her attitude. She is a very young girl, like, you know, uh, I think she's 20, 21 years old, but she's somebody that's been like, just got her mind right. She's in the like mentality wise. She is like just set. She's confident. I like that in her and you see it in her fight it translates through so when she's out there i mean she's been able to run through people and i saw it first when i saw her at the dana white contender series and i was like wow this girl is gonna really be impressive and i was hoping that night that they would sign her i think and i do these power rankings when they do the contender series fights on twitter and i think she might have been my two um i can't remember who was on that card but i was like it was one of those cards where i think a lot of people were finishing so i was like yeah she's gonna be probably signed but you never know with dana if he's gonna sign one person or if he's gonna sign like everybody that fought on that card so um what yeah what kind of mood it, is he in what was that? Yeah, exactly. So, said, what kind of mood is he in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, for sure she would probably be in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's hungry and you could see it. And she's just a tank in the way that she fights. Obviously, there's some areas that she's going to need to improve in. And that's something where I'm wondering if Roxanne can really test her because she's somebody, uh, again, you know, she's a veteran of the sport. She's like a pioneer as far as I'm concerned for women's MMA and getting women into the UFC and, um, you know, she was part of that first class, I think. Was it the first or the second um, 
season where they brought in women. I think it was the first on the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, anyhow, she she's been around just for so long, and there weren't a lot of people doing what Roxanne was doing when she was doing it back in the day. So right, um, right. I, I don't think though that Roxanne's getting enough respect in this fight. Um, the odds makers out here have it like as a ten to one, and so I was like, wow. wow. Yeah, I thought it was pretty huge that that, that she wasn't at maybe five to one, four to one, something like that, but ten to one. I was like, wow, they're just expecting Macy just to roll through her. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier uh, that Q one looks to be pretty strong for the UFC because we have, you know, obviously everybody looks. When is Connor going to fight? That's that. That's the biggest star as far as, you know, Dana uh, and ESPN Plus getting those um, those pay per view buys. And uh, and then, you know, the in uh, in April, early April, let's cross our fingers here that uh, Tony Ferguson and Khabib finally happens. But there's even you know, there's even some stuff in the in the middle of that you have UFC 247, uh, John Jones against Dominic Reyes. And then there's that really great strawweight title fight at 248. Um, what 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 other things are you looking forward to in these next couple months with the UFC? Yeah, um, I think. Right now, there's the Valentina fight um, against Caitlin Kagan, and that's going to be one that I think is going to be a pretty good fight. I mean, Valentina has been able to roll through people, but Caitlin has this interesting style that, um, you know, she's not going to rush into anything dangerous, and that might make it frustrating for Valentina. I still think Valentina would win the fight, but I think that as a strategy, it's going to be a fun one to see. Um, You brought up the Joanna fight against Wally Zhang. That one is definitely going to be some fireworks there because I have to admit, you know, Wally, she's like surprised me. I did not think that this girl was going to be as much as a problem for people as she has been and when you see that um abilities that she has i get in the striking department is what's most impressed me i just go well who is it that is going to be able to challenge this girl and um of course i think uh joanna is one of them and the striking that she has and the capabilities that she has as a fighter um especially in defending against takedowns like we know that she's not necessarily like a jujitsu practitioner she's not going to do anything really on the ground that's insane but she's able to defend against getting tossed down so that's something that i think is going to play well into this fight and it's going to be i think a stand-up striking battle but oh lastly there's another one that i just heard about that um rose namayunas and jessica andraj that definitely the rematch Mm -hmm. is supposed to happen at ufc 249 and that one's in brooklyn so i'm looking forward to that as well um yeah uh, rose coming back from getting dumped on her head man that thing that fight was so nasty and i didn't go at all the way i thought it would go i didn't see that one coming so yeah that that one's gonna be a intriguing rematch i think because i don't think it goes the same way what what have you heard about Rose? Because coming out of that fight, I think there, you know, she didn't seem like she was super interested in uh, in, in continuing to fight. But then, you know, a few few weeks later, it it seems like you know she kind of cleared her head and was like, no, you know, this is something I want to do. Have 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 you heard anything else about her mentally as far as that's concerned? Yeah, a lot of people ask about Rose and her mentality because she has admitted that she has some struggles at times and she you know deals with a lot of things in her in her mind and I I think that 
it's just a matter of sorting things out for her. And I think that a lot of the times it's just she tries to weigh one set of odds over another set of odds. And then, you know, getting things straight for her has been something that just takes some time. And I think that she's had enough time now um, to go over everything and play it out through her head. And I think she's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, she got she got caught in that fight, but, you know, she is at the apex of of her career as far as where she like she's as far as someone who's grown as a mixed martial artist. Like she is one of the one of the ones who has grown so much over these last few years since we first saw her, um, or at least most of us first saw her on that ultimate fighting uh, ultimate fighter show. Um, No, this is this has been awesome. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and. you know, for for those who follow follow uh, our our Twitter at, at Fight Game Media, they know that you do picks with us, uh, and and we'll continue to do that in twenty twenty. Oh. But where, where I have to where redeem people... myself. Yeah, we 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 all we've all had some better years. Last year was really tough. But um, where can the folks find both of your podcasts, and then also elsewhere on social media? So the podcast is called uh, for the NFL, the Vegas Nation podcast, and that covers all things Raiders. And that one you can find on VegasNation.com. There's like a free podcast link. And then you just go to that and subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcast. And the same with RJ Ringside. The easiest link to find it is going to CoveringTheCage.com. And then you'll find the same thing, free podcast, and then just you know, check it out from wherever you listen to your podcast. And then um, I can be found on social at Heidi Fang for pretty much everything. I think Instagram and Snapchat and the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. everything. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming on. You'll We'll have to get you back on again. But thanks for your insights and uh, good luck with everything in 2020. You are going to be a busy human being. Yeah, I'm actually I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, covering the NFL is a dream of mine. So getting getting involved here with that and hitting the ground running, I'm going to be just as busy and happy as I could be. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, we are back. Uh, Thanks to Heidi. Uh, Mention again, you can find her. Uh, on the uh, Vegas Nation podcast where she talks about the Raiders and then her RJ Ringside podcast, which is her MMA podcast. So let's move on and talk about uh, this uh, this AEW TNT deal, which kind of dovetails really nicely into our weekly discussion of the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, AEW and TNT renegotiated their original deal and it has turned into a four-year deal worth $175 million, which is an increase of about $18 million a year from their original deal. Now, the one thing about the original deal is that um, TNT paid for the production so I think it's like 500000 an episode. So they paid for the production in the original deal. And in, the, uh, in this new deal, they are not paying for the production. So it's not quite from, you know, what, what is it, 26 to 45 or whatever, whatever the, the increase is. Uh, but it is an increase and it is more years and it is 
the ability to earn more money because, you know, I'm sure there are escalator clauses or bonuses that if AEW Dynamite hits these certain levels that they will actually pay them more. And um, also they're going to get a second show, an hour show, which is not going to be AEW Dark, which I think got out there. Uh, when this deal was announced, people were saying that it's going to be dark on the, on a TNA or a Warner Media channel. That is not the case. It's going to be a different show, which I'm very happy about because I thought that if you put AEW Dark on TV and you call it AEW Dark, you're basically telling people this is a B show. Um, but just initially, you know, you're, they're they're going to be profitable this year, which is amazing. But what were your thoughts on uh, on the deal when you heard about it? Oh, I loved it. Um, you know, more wrestling guaranteed for years to come. I'm, I'm, I'm happy more, you know, long-term jobs for talent. Happy with that. And, you know, I like, I love Wednesday nights. Like this is so much fun. No matter if I'm upset of a show or a match or whatever from any of the promotions, I just have so much fun with it as a wrestling fan. So, I mean, it's guaranteed to keep this going and I'm, I'm happy for it. So I think it's great. Um, I'm not excited about the second show. Um, it's a one hour show, correct? That's what mm-hmm. they announced. I wonder if it's going to be just it basically BTE with a few matches. You know, maybe this is where they could use that kind of stuff and maybe, you know, it could help storylines better because a lot of them complain is a lot of stuff happens on BTE that we don't see a lot of people don't see they just watch the Wednesday show they watch Dynamite mm-hmm. they don't watch BT, BTE so maybe this will help people follow the storylines a little better right? or 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 just gonna be another hour show like a main event or a Sunday Night Heat or something like that and get a few extra matches on on the show but I mean I don't know I might watch the first two the second show but I don't. I just have a feeling I might not hang too long with it. Just like I'm not, that's like I have no time to watch Dark, or I really don't really care to watch Dark. Yeah, I think the positioning of this show will be interesting. I think if it if they decide to put it on TNT, I think it has to be close to what the A show is. Um, but if they put it on um, a different channel or you know some sort of streaming thing and they, they they you know they they lessen the distribution of it immediately then i think it could be something like that um you know where where you're doing more storyline stuff but i also don't i also don't know what the benefit is of taxing out the AEW guys to do 1 hour of non important television that's what it makes me think that it's going to be you know, as close to dynamite as they can, which is we've seen this before, right? We saw it with uh, with Thunder, um, which you know worked for a little while, and then and then wasn't really an important show anymore. But then WWE was able to make it work with SmackDown as as their second show. So they have shown that you know you can make make it work for us for fans. Um, you know, it's just going to be more picking and choosing. Now, I will say. I'm more apt to watch a one-hour dynamite-like show if they do do more promos and and do more angles and stuff because I think one hour is just just if you think about the psychology of watching something for one hour, it's not as uh, we're, it's not as like you you don't get so intimidated, which is why I don't watch Raw right because the the risk 
in watching Raw, though I'm probably going to watch Raw a little bit more dur- during the uh, post Royal Rumble road to WrestleMania. The 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 risk is like, do I really want to take a chance at three hours of something which could be terrible, or do I just skip it and read up on you know what what happened? And and I think you know even though I know that Raw is a lot better now than it was you know six months ago. There is still that risk for for viewers, uh, you know, who have other stuff going on. But it's because but Monday night was such a was, you know, it, it's been ingrained in, in us to, to watch wrestling Monday night. So it almost feels weird for me not to watch wrestling on Monday night. But similarly for, you know, a second show, can will it create that habit for people? Now, I don't know if you like uh, Big Dave because he he reported this um he wasn't the first person to report it, but he I think he he had the most information that I saw of someone who reported it. He was thinking about uh, what night to if you if you if you were TNT, what night would you put it up? Would you would you uh, add it? And and like he was like just saying why they wouldn't do they can't do Monday and Thursday because of the NFL and they can't do Sunday um because of Sunday night football. So you have three nights that you already cannot air your show because uh, Tony Khan will not run against the NFL. So like, like what night do you put that show on that second show? Doesn't TNT have basketball on Tuesday nights, Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday. It's going to be, I feel it's going to be like a late show. Something in the evenings. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is really going to work. Or maybe, maybe right. Maybe you know. I didn't even think about. It. I was just thinking TNT, but maybe it's going to be on a secondary channel. Um, whatever is under under TNT umbrella is it True TV or something like that. Maybe that's where it it goes or something like that. Or they have a little more flexibility. But I don't expect the second show to do well as you know for long term. I think the first couple episodes will be do do a good rating, but I think this a second episode will, you know, fall pretty quickly. I think people will find out it's secondary. I mean, in my opinion, I think it will be, it will be secondary. I think, you know, I think we're going to get, you know, the best of 17 orange Cassie and Michael Nakazawa <laughs> and you know, no one, no one, no one never tune in again. But, um, I just think we're, you know, we're going to get a lot of that kind of stuff and I don't know. It's going to be okay, unimportant. But we're talking about ratings and I, and I agree that, um, there, there's a worry that you, you do something that is feels unimportant and it just doesn't rate. But what if they run unopposed, right? Like mm-hmm. the reason why AEW is not doing 1.4 million viewers is because WWE counter-programmed them with NXT. And if AEW runs opposed on for a one-hour show... I mean, they could do a pretty decent, pretty decent uh, uh, 18 to 49 number just by the fact that they're going to be running unopposed. And they're if they're still sort of, you know, doing well and 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 hot to some extent. Mm -hmm. But then if you think through a little bit. WWE is not going to let them run up unopposed like they're going to counter program them no matter what. So. If you're AEW, what night do you decide to, or if you're TNT and AEW, what night do you decide to put a show up knowing that WWE is going to counter-program you anyway? 
So this whole thing is is pretty fascinating from like a chess chess match kind of thing. Um, and and so you know I'm sure I'm sure we'll know fairly soon because they signed they just signed Taz so Taz is going to be um, with them full time. Uh, and I think he was signed to be one of the announcers on the second show, you know, and, and they'll probably just intermix a lot of guys, you know, if, if Shiv Shivani's got to take a, a week off or whatever. But um, so they're already, pl- you know, they're already planning. And, and you know, th- I think the thing that, that is just so amazing is the fact that they that they are now profitable, like just <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a ridiculous thought. Right. Because, you know, the XFL. um Vince has got to find whatever it is. I I forget. I think it's a hundred million at least. Whatever that uh, startup cost is, where's he going to get a hundred million from a TV? You know, from his TV deal. He's he's got two small uh, two TV deals. I think. I think one is uh, ESPN, um, and I forget the other one. But he's got two networks. But you know, it's mostly sort of like AEW's original TV deal, which was the whole you know paying for production kind of thing. So, yeah, the whole the whole. 2020 is already fascinating and it's just going to get crazier and uh yeah i'm i'm i mean you know just from a just from a uh me wanting to know what's going to happen like i'm very intrigued and i and i hope we find out very soon all right so let's talk about these shows on wednesday um i liked the uh okay let me let me step back a little bit. I was about to say that I liked that they <clears throat> that the first matches that they put on against each other were like really fun matches, but I forgot that um NXT actually started with an interview and their their beginning angle which is, you know, the Keith Lee thing with um uh w- with getting attacked. And I think if I was to rate the actual matches, Matt, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne against Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, like if I was, if like the kind of style of wrestling that I enjoy, that match is like, fits what I love like perfectly, like just like, like, like a glove, right? But because the AEW match, which was the four way uh, contender tag match, um, it was it was way more spot heavy and you know it's it's a four way so tons of stuff is happening and you you can't even you know the camera can't even really keep up with it but i realized that my joy out of that match a big part of it was the fact that i got to see the whole thing versus watching the riddle match enjoying the work in that match more but being so frustrated that they went to commercial two times and I'm just like dying because I'm like, this is great. And then, Oh, I hate these dumb commercials where I'm watching, you know, a quarter of a screen and then I'm like, okay, they're back. Like, let's get to it. And then they do it again. I was so frustrated having to sit through two commercials because it is the perfect style of match that I enjoy watching. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you gotta pay the bills. Um, uh, I, I love that Riddle, Pete Dunne, and Mark uh, Mark Andrews, and the Flash Morgan Restaurant. I thought that match was insane, insanely good. Um, this whole show, NXT blew it out of the water when it came to quality of wrestling this week, for sure. Um, I, 
Yeah, I know. I mean, commercial breaks suck, but like you know, but we we lived them for so long. You know? But but, but I when mean, we were Flair versus Re- Sting and Clash One had commercial breaks, you know. So oh yeah, yeah. But that was like that was like a special thing. We never got to see wrestling at that level on TV, and now the game is that we see wrestling like that on TV all the time. But I guess the thing is, is um, I mean, my question is. AEW goes throughout the whole match, and I don't think they went to commercial. They should have went to commercial. I tell you, I was getting so frustrated in that match. But but I enjoyed getting to see the whole thing. They, you know, they obviously they're telling the story in that match. But even within the craziness of everything that's going on, I got to see the beginning, the middle, and the end. And if I look at the 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 NXT match. I see part of the beginning, a lot of the middle is gone, and then I get to see the end. It's like, how come one company can can run a great match commercial-free, and the other company doesn't only put one commercial break in, but they put two commercial breaks in? It's like such a... It was so frustrating to me. I'm like, why can't they either put one commercial or no commercials in, just like the AEW match. Well, because, you know, what you just said earlier, they they had the angle with uh, Anasputa Era and Keith Lee, so that took a lot of TV time from them. So that's what dug into their their match a little bit. But it didn't hurt the match quality for me. I thought it was thought it was great. I didn't, you know, wasn't didn't lack the drama for me. Um, I mean, the AEW match, to me, had no drama. I mean, they had, they had a lot of great moves. It was... You know, you know they do awesome stuff when it comes to their athleticism and their creativity, but that match was so frustrating me because I felt like no one wanted to win this match, and I was like, I literally screamed out loud, "I'm like, is someone ever going to pin anyone?" And I and it, it stuck with me all day today, and I was like, "I gotta do some, I gotta do some research for this. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta rewatch both those because you know I I saw on Twitter today like Big Dave was like." You know, you know, they're the same matches. Why are you hating on AEW? You know, NXT had the same match, right? But it really wasn't because the AEW match was just all moves, and I timed it. The match is like nearly seventeen minutes long. You know how many pin attempts in this match? Uh, no, I don't guess, remember. Guess how many pin attempts in this match? Um. If I was to think, I would say most of them were in like the last five minutes. So I would say like three or four. Two. First came five minutes in. The second pinfall attempt came at 14 minutes. And then the fin- and then the finish. That's oh, okay. And I was like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was moments in this match where, you know, remember the uh, um, uh, you can't escape moment, the double team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Adam Page goes to the top rope for the big moonsault, but he changes direction and takes out the guys outside <laughs> the ring. They're, like, there's no way. Why would you do that? You're trying to win this match. And it happened multiple well, that, times. That, but that's that's part of their miscommunication, right? Because Coda, if Coda's doing that, that, then they're on the same page. But Omega and, and and Adam Page aren't a normal tag team, and so their communication is off. And that was kind of the the story of the whole night was that Kenny is desperately trying to get him under control and on the same page so they can win these titles. And it's pretty clear that he that he doesn't really care about that. I didn't see any of that. The only thing I saw that was storyline related was Kenny and the Young Bucks were having fun together, but then the Young Bucks were mad because. 
Adam Page blind tagged him in, even though the Young Bucks were blind tagging all <laughs> all match. But that's yeah, because that's their boy. That's supposed to be their boy. It, it, yeah, it, it just it just sucked. And then um, I end up watching the NXT match. I'm like, okay, I want to see what because. You know, with they did a lot of moves, they did a lot of spots, but there's a lot of selling, there's a lot of double downs, there's they're, they're fighting to get up. It's not just all just straight up, just move, move, move like the AEW match. Their match, okay, I had to rewatch it on the network, which cut out the commercials. By the way, they only show, they only show the mat. You, know, you know, they go to commercial break and they come right back. They don't show the commercials. I know, and and that was I watched it originally that way because the Hulu version mm-hmm. is is similar, and it made it like what did you say it was like a twelve minutes fifteen. Well, no, so, so originally is a as a but originally it, how long it, was the match? It was probably I believe it's about the same length as the um, the AEW match or close to it. So they about twelve minutes of action was shown on um, on the network, and they had ten pin attempts. Because in that match, I felt like someone wanted to win this match. That was my issue with AEW match. I was like, man, no one wants to win this damn match. It was just driving me insane. Like, it's still the name of the game is wrestling and winning, right? And they're getting a title shot next show. Like, just they could have thrown some pin, some pinfall attempts in there just to kind of make it look like a competition. But so I think I think the I think the thing, and and this is why you know triple threat matches and four-way matches are kind of frustrating to me is there's so much going on that if you do the pin attempts, all you're going to do is break them up by interference (laughs) because it's legal. And that could be frustrating too. I think if it was a straight tag and we may see this match, um, because, uh, I, at some point, the Bucks and Omega and and Page could could do a match together, and I think you'd see a more traditional. I mean, you still see the craziness, but I think you'd see a more traditional tag team match. I think the four way definitely uh, made it made it so that. But you know, the one thing that uh, you mentioned the pins in 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 the Riddle match, and there was a moment in the match where, like, I th- I was thinking about this, going like, okay. Riddle should just win the match here, and then it went on like another like three minutes, and like I thought I was like okay, I get the these you know I get the smaller guy. I think it was Mark Andrews kicking out of this move, or maybe maybe he grabbed the rope or something, and and so it was like this dramatic you know Maro selling it as this dramatic thing, and I thought you know I was like oh you know I get the idea that you know these guys um, are fighting you know they're fighting to stay alive here. But Riddle was going to win anyways. And so sometimes I think they go an extra one or two minutes when the, you know, to kick out of something when they're just going to drop the fall in the next move. Oh, that's. I don't necessarily like that yeah. either. I'm with, I'm with you on this too. This is a, an epidemic, I think, in wrestling. Just just for example, the UK uh, takeover show with Trent Seven and Eddie Dennis, the opener. You yeah. Know, it was yeah. a shorter match. Like Eddie Dennis, if, if people didn't watch it, is this taller, lanky guy. He looks. His body is so weird to me. It just, just, just kind of creeps me out. I think he should look like Big Bubba Rogers and be a suit and tie kind of guy. But anyways, he picks up Trent Seven for the Razor's Edge or Splash Mountain and throws him to the floor. Yeah, and that he, was crazy. <laughs> and he goes crashing into a uh, probably a grip there, you know, to catch him and a plant, right? And he take and it's still a nasty, scary bump, man. I can't even imagine taking that bump. That's so scary. He comes back in. I'm like, okay, that should be the finish. That should be the finish. But no, he kicks out, you know, barely. 
And then Eddie Dennis hits a, his finisher and pins him. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Like, why do you have to look strong there? Why do you have to look like, why I had to get that <sighs> bullshit? Like, that should be, that should be the finish. The razor's edge to the floor, people, to the freaking floor. And I know. I that know. was so frustrating when I saw that match. And and I agree with you a lot of times. And, and a lot of matches, not just here. And, um, you know, it's that Japanese thing. Japanese style does a lot. Like, the guy will hit a big move, and he's, like, totally dead. And you're like, this should be it. And he just barely kicks out. And the guy does one more move and pins the guy. It's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that's just bleeding into wrestling today. And we see it everywhere on the indies and WWE and, and AEW. So it's everywhere in that. Okay, so I want to get your booking mind on this one because... As a fan who watches NXT, and again, we mentioned I don't really watch the UK brand, and I know the Dusty Rhodes Classic is including these teams, partially also because the World's Collide pay-per-view or or network show is coming up, but I was desperate for Kushida and Shelly to win their match against the Grizzled Young Veterans. Like I was like, if there was ever a feel-good moment in wrestling, like here it is, like let's get Kushida... And Alex Shelley to just win the one match. They're not. They wouldn't win the next match. But the grizzled young veterans win. What like I don't know what you were thinking when you were watching it, but I'm sure you understand the logic of it. But what what were you thinking about that one? Um, if if it was me personally booking this, I would have done you know the time splitters over on to going up on the grizzled young veterans and I would have done that, you know, that, that rematch with the undisputed era, you know, from their history Mm -hmm. together. I mean, Morrow like sold Mm -hmm. that match for Mm -hmm. me, like right at the beginning. Um, yeah, that's not what I would have done that for sure. I know why WWE did this and I know why they did this (laughs) and you know, it's, but, and it makes sense too. If you, if, if, um, why they did it. You know, Alex Hill doesn't have a contract. Okay. He doesn't have a contract. WE, maybe not now, but maybe sometime soon. Who knows? You know, I mean, he had a really, I mean, shit. I mean, that, that was, I love that match too. Did you like that match? I, I really thought that. Yeah, match was great. It, it was, it was a good match. Um, I didn't watch the, so I watched the edited version. So I didn't see when they went through, through commercial, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it was, it was so fun. It was like, it was like one of those moments when you watch wrestling and you're like, it feels like this is something that, you know, like when like when you're fantasy booking, like, you know, as a when we used to do when we were younger and, and putting certain guys together, like what's the feel good moment of this tournament? And, you know, Dave Dutra, like a lot of people guessed that it was going to be Shelly. And so when it was Shelly, you were like, awesome, like that totally works. And so I was like, let's take it a, another step and let's have them win so they can have that match in the second round. And that that is like you know what i wanted and then mm-hmm. of course that that's not what happens but um but yeah i was i was into it i mean i liked i was like oh man this this feels familiar this feels fun it feels like wwe is is doing a little bit of fan service here like let's keep it going and then nope he lost <laughs> but at the same time though look how how sheet they put on the girls of young veterans i mean those guys are great i mean they're a really good team like i i mean i enjoy their work because I watch them on NXT UK and I think they're really good. But like this match really stood out. Like they're upper echelon tag team. And, you know, you got uh, the one guy that could do a promo and, you you know, and the other guy, you know, they're both really good. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love I, I didn't mind the booking. I mean, I would have done it differently, but that's just me. But like I, I enjoyed the match. I, I love the, the heat they got 
that got on the Grizzling Veterans, and it's going to be interesting when you have the heel versus heel match next week. So, so back on the other show, the main event was Pack against Darby Allen in a, a nutty match. Uh, Darby Allen, he's like we 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 talked about this. You know, we've talked about this all summer as he's someone to kind of you know keep your eye on because he's just has just a, a tremendous ability to get over with with the crowd. And I thought, you know, I thought he did a really good job again. Now, I I think we all knew that Pac was winning this match. But uh, Darby Allen just, you know, he is someone who, um, you know, who comes off as like, okay, like we are watching something special. Like it might not be there yet, but very similar to Jungle Boy. We've talked about Jungle Boy. But Darby Allen is another one where you're like, I can see the the building blocks of something here as long as he, you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt. But, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, ah, this is my guy and you, you just want to root for him. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Darby Allen and the, the match was good. It was a really good match. Um, I, I think it's time for Darby Allen to be in a program with someone that's going to be keeping focused instead of just these, you know, not random matches it was for a, a, you know, like a mini tournament for a, a title shot, but like, you know, something where he's going to have a story within the show and with someone, whoever, Jimmy Havoc or someone, you know, someone he can have a program. Around <laughs> he, we haven't seen him in a while. Well, that's a good thing. And, you know, just, <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't suggest his name. My God. <laughs> someone he can have a program with and, and, you know, keep him busy and get him over, have him win the feud who with the whoever. And then you start building back up, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and challenge for the championship down the line. But yeah, no, I mean, sky's the limit for him. Um, he just, he has a unique personality. He has something that you grab, you want to watch him wrestle. He's fun to watch in the ring. You know, he's, 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 he, he has that it factor. So they, they definitely got a great signing with him. All right. I'm going to compare these, uh, two, uh, segments together because I thought I thought they were both really interesting when it comes to wrestling in 2020. Now we mentioned the the Keith Lee segment at the top of the hour of NXT uh, to open the show. So they take out his knee with a chair, they pilmanize his ankle, and then later in the show when Gargano and Ciampa decide to uh, tag again. Uh, and then they get it. Then, 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 uh, undisputed era comes out. Keith Lee comes out and pounces somebody and then choke slams him on a car. And his ankle is completely fine from what it looked like. And I, I wondered if they pre taped that and then just sort of forgot about the plan for the, the ankle thing. But the thing that I want to compare it to is on the other show, Moxley basically gets killed with a spike after his match and then he comes out after at the end of the show and you know he's selling it you know he's got the bandage on his eye but it was just interesting like I was just looking at both things and going like okay in one in one instance it looks like they sort of forgot what the story was in in the selling and then the other one they just decided like nope Moxley's stone cold Steve Austin he's just not selling this injury I just did you did you sense any comparisons when you watch those together uh no I I think both did well I I think when it came to Keith Lee because he did was was limping after he had his, you know, he was pissed, right? They took him out, and he now he's coming back for revenge. So he just like had this crazy, you know, he saw red and just pounce whoever 
through the bush and he almost went through the bush. It was definitely a Hulk smash moment. And when, when, he, and when he threw that uh, security guard into the, the truck, you know, he after he calmed down, he did have a limp. He still was, you know, like like the adrenaline came out of him. And then, so I think same thing with Moxley, too. Like, you know, maybe maybe next week he'll come out that, you know, it got him in the eye, but didn't do that as much damage or something. Or maybe he missed a crucial nerve or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was fine with both of, the, both of them. I think... Uh, uh, I think for Moxley, I think I would have done a heavier angle, you know, mm-hmm. with him. I think because that's that's just that was a heavier angle. I mean, the Pilmanizer I thought was maybe a little much, but now it's going to play into the psychology of next week's match. Obviously, you know, I'm sure Keith Lee's going to be a house of fire in the beginning, and eventually, you know, Strong's going to clip the knee and all of a sudden work on the leg, and that's going to be the story of the match, and he's going to make the comeback from there, and hopefully wins the championship to next week. I think that would be yeah, that'd be awesome. It's the right time, I think. What do you think his ceiling is? And and you know NXT. I, I think he. I think he is. Uh, if he is not now, I think he is like the kind of the up and coming. You know, top mm-hmm. guy. He's sort of like next for them. You know, they they still got, they got these really good guys. You know, Adam Cole, Ciampa, Gargano, Finn Balor. Like those guys are like the current top guys. But he's just kind of waiting. And he, yeah. you know, and I think if they wait too long, you know, maybe they miss the boat. But I hope I hope they take advantage of it. But what do you think about him as far as? After like like would you run him through the same framework that they usually run their NXT guys? Oh, you know he's gonna win this North American title, and then you know maybe we'll have him win the NXT title, and then you know six months down the road, then he'll go to WWE. Or would you do this differently, where maybe he skips this stuff entirely and is in WWE by WrestleMania? I wouldn't do WrestleMania. I wouldn't have him because because you're in a you're in a you know competition with another company so you need your guns you know and keith lee's a big gun and he's a he's a he's a emerging star and for you know you know if you don't, I, don't, I wouldn't rush him through and and have him leave i would keep him this, through this year for sure and build that story and you know i think he should have a run with the north Korean title and he should get the title uh, the nxc title sometime down the line and and who's to say that he needs to rush up to the main roster you know it, the way things are going with TV, he can be there for a while because they're going to, like I said, it's going to be a competition. It's not going to be, it's different than before where they just kind of brought people up and after WrestleMania and they kind of freshen up their ranks up there. But now they need these guys down there too, right? To compete every week. So I don't want to, I, I don't want to see him rush up yet. Yeah, I mean, I no, I, I mean, I get it. I just wonder when I look at that WWE main roster, when it comes to WrestleMania, they are severely mm-hmm. lacking in guys exactly like him, right? Like, like if you go, okay, who's WWE, WWE missing? Charismatic babyface who is strong. Like, he fits exactly who they're missing. Now, can they book him the way that he needs to be booked? Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't know that. We don't know that. But if you if you look at it, like, what is, what is the main roster missing? They, they're missing a charismatic babyface who is strong, you know, and you know, the, in 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 that place right now, they have like Kevin Owens. Like, you know, he's charismatic, more of like a little bit of a smart ass, but he's not what I would consider to be like a strong style guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Roman Reigns obviously is going to be Roman Reigns. He he he's he is now going to be. You know, the the fans will not will not let him. You know, ever get there probably for for the near future. So like that's exactly what they're missing and. You know, on the flip side, you know, you just said, you know, oh, yeah, they're in a war with AEW. But it's pretty clear to me 
that if you just go show for show, current roster for current roster, AEW is probably going to win the the week until Vince decides to cross guys over. And at that point, then they're going to be in a battle. But that doesn't mean that Lee is making a, a huge difference on NXT. It means that the guys who cross over from the from the Raw brand and they bring over the Raw and SmackDown viewers to NXT, those guys are really going to be the ones to make the difference in the ratings whenever they want to win the week or they have a good idea to cross over the brands. Like I, I kind of expect it to happen at Royal Rumble, like a, like at Royal Rumble, something happens and then they kind of intertwine a little bit again. Like I, I think that 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 I think that's probably going to happen because they've gotten, you know, they've gotten. I, I think destroyed is probably uh, too harsh of a word, but they these last two weeks have not been good for NXT when you look at the numbers. And, it, and it's pretty interesting because, you know, like you said, and then and, and our buddy Dave Jutra said the same thing, like the NXT show was a really good wrestling show. And I agree. Like I, I thought there were, you know, those tag matches were really good. And I even liked the Battle Royal. We'll talk about the Battle Royal in a second. But when you look at the numbers, like those you know, the, 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 those wrestling matches, those really good wrestling matches don't really uh, carry a lot of weight um, when it comes to the viewership. So <clears throat> I, I, what, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means. I, but if they care, like if Vince looks at that NXT number and he's like, you know, what the hell's going on? That means I, I'm, I'm almost sure that means he's going to cross more guys over because that's the way that he could, that he could, you know, m- win the week again is, is to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think Rumble will something will happen there. I think they'll, you know, there's WrestleMania build. I think NXT is definitely going to play a part in WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm. Somehow, wait some way. I think they'll have a feature match or two and and be involved for sure. That's just I'm, I'm I can guarantee that. Okay, before we get to the to the battle royal, because um, I'm interested, in it, I have a question for you uh, based on the booking of that match. What did you think about DDP? wrestling a match in 2020 um it was cool uh, nice nostalgic uh, nostalgia feel to it uh he looked good i mean shit it's a great <laughs> commercial for ddp yoga right <laughs> definitely uh, dude is jumping off of the top rope yeah to the floor yeah you know everyone has to be crazy right everyone has to do, you know, dustin rose has to do canadian destroyers now mm-hmm. because he has to keep up with the young kids you know he doesn't have to do that because he has more charismatic and he's more he's more he's more charismatic and a better wrestler than all those guys and he doesn't really do all that stuff but he does because you know he goes for that pop um I and I thought they used DDP well, you know, short, and he wasn't in there long. He had his spots. The only thing I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have him hit the RKO on uh, or the uh, diamond, diamond cutter on. Uh, that's funny, MJF. Th- that's the exact same thing Big Dave said as it was happening. He's like, no, no, he shouldn't hit. He should no, like he no. shouldn't hit the RKO. And I wouldn't even have MJF take that that crazy Mister Perfect like bump in the match either. I thought that was. You know, I just don't, you know, he as almost that was almost goofy wrestler, like not main event top heel bump, you know, and the same thing with the the, the diamond cutter, like he should be taking that. He should have slipped out, snuck out mm-hmm. of there or or Warlord should have, you know, clocked him from behind or something just to, to save him or, you know, it, it just I wouldn't have done that. Then, because like if if a six nine year old man can get one up on MJF, like you know Cody is right. Mm-hmm. So it, that's that, that was just stupid. 
Uh, okay, so uh, that, the only thing that I, the only comment I had on DDP is I wish they would have told him uh, a month ago so he could have got a tan. <laughs> Has he ever, uh, ever been tan? Oh, I guess he was a little bit. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was pretty. He was decently tanned yeah. in his WCW days. Uh, okay, so uh, now I want to talk about this battle royal. I actually liked this battle royal a lot more than I thought I would because I thought it was booked really well, especially when they got to like the last six or seven. But I don't know, and 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 look, I know they've put a lot of time and effort into building Bianca Belair, and she's improved, and she's a great athlete. But when I looked at like the final, I don't know how many how many folks it was, I kind of sensed that she was winning, and I was like, I would have loved to see someone else win, but I understood the bill. This match was sort of put together for her to to shine in and so I, I got it I understood it but I don't know she as a uh, as a match for um uh Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley I'm just I'm like okay, okay it, it's probably gonna be pretty interesting I just don't know if she's the right person to put for that first feud with Rhea uh, because, you know, Rhea's so hot right now. I was, just, I was like, I don't know if she's the right person to win this match. Uh, yeah, I, I think... I mean, I was hoping for EO, honestly. That's who I was hoping for. But I just love EO, and I know like she's such a great worker, and, and she would definitely have a great match with Rhea. But I also think uh, Bianca Bella, because Bianca Belair will have a great match with uh, Rhea Ripley, too. I think, you know, this is her future. I mean, this is like, this is going to be, hopefully, their... They're Charlotte and Sasha Banks, right? That's what they're hoping for. These two girls will be. So um, I, I like it. Um, I hope they have a great match in Portland at TakeOver. I, I'm rooting for them because, I, like I said, I want this to be a big program for the future. And because I, I, I've been talking about this for for a couple years now, that you know these two are going to be the next coming of the top women in in the promotion. And yeah, I think it's great. She's a great athlete. I love the finish. The finish scared the crap out of me. I was oh so my God. I was so glad she was okay. Io was okay after that bump. I mean, I'm glad they cut to her. You know, the referee is checking on her, and she was up and you know sh- shocked. She got tossed out, and you know. Uh, but Bianca is so much. She has so much charisma. I love her entrance. I love her swag. I love her swagger. I just love her her little dance. You know, she just she's just fun to watch and and such a super athlete. So they you know they she, she mixed up the Rhea. I think it's gonna be a great match. It's okay. okay I think but, it's okay to be the first challenger and 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 you know you you want someone intimidating to go against Rhea too because Rhea's a big big girl. <laughs> yeah. So so then how would you if you were to put this match together right like Rhea is not just gonna sell 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 sell. That's not who she is. But but she could. Uh, she could, but it's not her strength. It wouldn't necessarily be to her strength to do that for a large amount of the match. And I don't know how realistic it would look. Um, With Bianca? It would look pretty realistic if Bianca was on top for a long heat. I mean, she's... Look how jacked that girl is. Look how muscular that girl is. She's she's not a, a small woman. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't... I just don't it's, it's sort of like... Um, when uh, when I went with Big Dave C NXT and uh, Keith Lee was in one of the matches and they were having him do a long sell spot and I was just like, 
this is not what he's good at. Like he's really good at that fire and the the you know the comeback and and well, just all of his power stuff. Yeah. And I was like, he's not good at selling. Um, and 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 that that's sort of my worry here is you know you want to bucket. Rhea stands out because she you know she sort of figured it out. But do you now because she's the champion? Does she have to fit this sort of style and format of the babyface champion, you know, Hulk Hogan style of match? I just don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for her as an individual performer. I mean, that's wrestling, though. You know, you have to sell to make that comeback. If you don't sell that comeback, there's going to be no comeback. No one's going to care because there's no come. You know, there's no comeback. So she has to sell. She, you know, we have to get sympathy for her. So when she makes that comeback, we. We get into it, and I, I think she's really good at selling. I think she's a really advanced beyond her years um, at this stage of the game. And, you know, and, and and what Bianca has is she has that charisma. She can keep it entertaining with her during the heat. She just she knows how to jaw jack with the crowd when it's the right time. You know, she's 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 a specimen. She's a, a true, true blue chipper, as they say. <laughs> Well, I, I, I guess what I want to see is I don't necessarily want to see Bianca on the offense for most of the match and then Rhea fighting uh, with, the, with the comeback. I would like to see a much more of a back and forth style match because I, I, I don't know. I have this weird feeling that uh, that that it won't be as as good if it if it's like, like, that. When like, you, like I, may, I may be wrong. A back and forth match. Like, like you want I, like I, just all action, no I stopping want it to for be, air. Not, 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 not no stopping. And and they can sell the re re could sell in parts, but I don't want her to sit there and sell for you know six and seven minutes uh, until you know until the end of the match. I just don't think that that would be necessarily to her strength. She's a different baby face than. Uh, Sasha Banks or Bailey, you know, when they were in NXT, she's she's uh, she's different, and I don't think she should be booked in the same way, especially you know for the style of match. What her strengths are uh, are not necessarily those same strengths that you see in the sort of the normal babyface uh, that that they've had there before. Like like obviously. Um, you know, I think she's probably probably compared to Charlotte a little bit more just because of the size. But I also thought the same thing. Uh, though Charlotte got got pretty good at selling, I always always thought, you know, you're making this big girl sell so much. I know she's got to learn how to do it, but it kind of looks a little fake to to see it happen. And I, and I kind of worry about that with with this too. I mean, everyone like everyone like Hogan's what six six. He sold, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, they have to the, sell. They, like remember, he he was the master. Remember, though. they have to sell to make that comeback. They, it's 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 just wrestling, wrestling one on one. I'm I'm fine with selling, and and I and I love to see selling. I just don't think that this format is necessarily have to be the same format for every babyface champion kind of match. I think I just think she's different. I think you know. Well, you know, not to say, you know, Goldberg is a bad example, but you wouldn't want Goldberg to sit there and sell because once he did, once he started to sell and he became a better wrestler, he was worse off because the gimmick had, had run its course. So. I mean, it's pro wrestling. It's like, it's like, like, you know, a romantic comedy. There's always that guy that wants to get the girl halfway through the movie. Something happens. He's not going to get her. All of a sudden, you know, boom, something happens. He has her at the end. Like it's just, that's just wrestling. You get a, you get a baby face shine. Sometimes where you have a cutoff early, you have a heat, 
and you have a comeback, and you have a finish. Like that's just this way it's going to be. True, but when people separate themselves from the pack, a lot of times it's Mike Tyson or Bill Goldberg, and they don't actually they they don't follow that same format. And so I'm not saying that she's going to be that she she's that that this is going to be a bad thing. I'm just saying I hope they have an open mind when it comes to the kind of matches that she has because I think you know she will eventually she's going to be great at everything at some point, but for now I would I just don't want to see her ha- be this token baby face in this match. I would like to see her, you know, have have a be 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 just as stronger stronger in 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 a lot of the situations i hope i mean i don't know i I hope not i hope i hope she doesn't just squash her because that would be just no i mean she doesn't she doesn't have to squash her um but you know um when she was when she was uh in the survivor series right like the reason why People loved her wasn't because she sold great; it was because she kicked ass. And yeah, I think- but it's a four way tag where they they made her, they gave her. She wasn't the one. It's 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 still the same pro wrestling match, but someone else. I want to. I'm trying to remember who was on the match, but someone else was in the heat, taking it for her hot tag, so she could make that comeback. So the, without the heat on that one, the girl, it made her comeback mean something. Yes, but I just I don't want to see I, I just don't want her to to be the token white meat baby face. That's that's it. I, I think she I think she's a little bit different. So oh, she she is, though. She has a different, unique look and personality. Um, she's a badass. But don't forget, too, like Bianca is a, a super stud athlete, strong, powerful, uh, her equal in a lot of ways. So I, I, that's why I think it's so much fun, because it's like we're going to get a first. I mean, I know they wrestled before, but like this is going to be the first time on a bigger stage, right, with a takeover. And this is like their first chapter, of hopefully their rivalry of of like a Sasha Banks and Charlotte, you know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm rooting for that. Yeah. That'd, I mean, that would be great. Um, I'm actually looking more forward to the Tony storm match. Cause just cause I think Tony storm is a little bit of a, uh, of a, yeah, more of a, I guess, I don't know. She's just more of a superstar to me, but, um, she will. I mean, there, there's. She's gonna have two good matches. I. Ju, I just. Uh, uh, that's just my one thing about Rhea. Because I just because I like her so much, and I and I think she's she's a little bit different. I am pumped for this World Worlds Collide show. Like I can't wait. Like I'm more pumped for this show than I am uh, the Royal Rumble. Honestly, just I. I just can't wait for the show. This like this this card is just loaded with great matches. Yeah, and I think you know what we're gonna try to do. We'll see. Cross our fingers. Is uh, we'll we'll record next week's show and we'll do a little bit of a preview to the Rumble, and then Sunday night, if we can get back together, we'll try to do a post game mm-hmm. show for the Rumble and the uh, Worlds Collide uh, show as well. So, if if we can make it happen, that that would be the goal. Uh, okay, one last segment to get to, and this is going to be short because uh, it is our third We Want Flair segment for the Tokyo Dome match between Rick and Tatsumi Fujinami. And the reason why um, this is going to be a little bit uh, a little bit shorter than the normal ones is because next month when we will take a week off and then but next month we're going to dive right into what his next match was was the rematch with Fujinami so we'll so I don't want to uh tell all of the 
the story of the build to that match here. We'll do it in the uh, in in the in the first episode for February, first segment for February. But um, this, so as we talked about last week, the match ends in the dusty finish, and. Uh, we had talked about, you know, why I, I said, you know, why, why does Flair need to keep the title? And you said, because he's still got a tour in the U S as, as the champion. So what actually happens is, and we'll, we'll get, we'll get into sort of the NWA title and what that means and the WCW title and what that means. And, and that, that lineage, we'll get to that when we do the uh, Flair and Savage, uh, uh, we want Flair, uh, for WrestleMania 8. When we get to that match, we'll sort of break down that piece. But right now, as it stands in you know March of 1991, basically, Flair was called the WCW champion, and Fujinami was called the NWA champion, and they were the exact same belt. Yeah. In in Japan, even even when Fujinami would go on to lose the belt to Flair, uh they would still call him the NWA champion even though he didn't have a belt. So there was like some weird uh lineage going on with that. But right now Flair is the WCW champion still. Fujinami is your NWA champion uh, at the conclusion of this match. So I have a quote from Jim Ross's book. He said WCW should have trusted Shivani and me to protect Flair in losing. We could have told the great story of Flair's travel and the matches he had before he left the States, the jet lag and Fujinami having home crowd advantage. We could or we would have sold it like Fujinami barely caught Rick with a one, two, three that could have gone either way. We could have built it to a huge rematch the following month. So Jim himself thought, you know, put the if, if you're building to a big rematch, put the belt on Fujinami and let, you know, and 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 let's build for that uh for for that rematch. So that 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 was Jim's thought on uh, on the end of that match. Yeah, I think actually what they did was correct what they but they didn't they didn't execute it fully Mm -hmm. and what they should have done is talked about um how flair is you know the wcw officials recognize flair that there's a dispute in this match they still recognize flair as the wcw world champion but there's this you know the nwa body within wcw or you know or whatever they can how they can say it recognizes Fujinami. So maybe or maybe there's just a split within the board of directors of WCW who feel that Fujinami won, you know, and then that then they have a rematch. But they really didn't explain that. It was just it was almost like, you know, that Fujinami claims he's a champion, Flair still, now they had a rematch. It was and the build wasn't too strong because you know, like I said, we're talking about it in a few weeks, but you know, it just they really didn't focus too much. I think there's a couple mm-hmm. promos that Flair did and that was about mm-hmm. it. So I think if they would have focused on it more on television, they can Flair could still be quote unquote the world champion, still can tour as the world champion here in the United States. But you know, they can always come out and talk about that dispute. Maybe some boardroom meetings. I mean, I know a lot of people may might be bored with that kind of stuff, but you know, <laughs> but, you know, a quick like press conference and stuff like that they could have they could have done in Japan and in the United States and then finally a contract signing where you know maybe Flair's like I'm not going to Japan to sign this contract he has to come you know and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and and you know they finally have a contract signing on TV and it's this big deal 
And then now that match at Super Brawl 1 means something even more. But yeah, I just thought the it's just the execution. You know, they I, I don't mind the Dusty finish here. I know the Japanese fans probably weren't used to something like that, that kind of finish. But uh, I thought it, I thought it worked here to build up another match. It's just it just like I said, the, the execution of it completely was 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 botched. Well, in uh, it, you know, also thanks to uh, to Dave Meltzer again for for joining last week. But the funny thing to me was when he said that when they saw the two referees come out for the uh, for the match, he and uh, Fumi Sa- uh, Saito. Um, immediately knew what was going to happen and he said that Fumi looked over to him and said I'm going to cry. <laughs> okay, so po- so post this match, what's going on in WCW? Well, there were uh there were rumors or you know, there were frustrations with Sid Vicious um and he was talking about leaving. They actually talked him into staying. Uh you know, they were working out the contract. And matter of fact, Sid Vicious decides to leave WCW for WWF, which plays into Flair and Hogan not being the main event at WrestleMania 8 because Vince McMahon did promise Sid that he was going to get the main event slot against Hogan uh, just by coming over from WCW. That's one of the things that, that he got promised. So, you know, I'm sure he could have changed his mind if Hogan and Flair was like, uh, like a house on fire when it came to business, but that would, uh, that would play into why we got the Flair and Savage match for, uh, rather than, uh, the Hogan and Flair match. So Sid is gone, which means the buildup for Super Brawl is him against Eligante in the, uh, stretcher match. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that as we get there. But I have very fond memories of uh, Sid getting off of that stretcher very quickly and just <laughs> walking away and we never to be seen well, for a few years. He didn't go on that stretcher. It was, well, we'll talk about it. But yeah, he didn't. He was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't go on it. He did not. Yeah, it was, no. uh, it, it was uh, one man. That oh, was it Kevin Sol? Okay. Well, McGann or yeah, Kevin Sol, one of the two. But either way, I know it wasn't Sid. Sid just got up <laughs> right I, away. I, th- I, thought, I thought he had like got on the stretcher and then immediately got up. But you're right. After he took the pinfall, mm-hmm. he didn't really sell the pinfall. He just got up and walked out. Yeah. That, that, now I remember. Um, and so also, who's who does, let's see if you remember this, who does Flair work with post, uh, post-Japan post trip? Eligante, right? Works with Eligante. And business I is... I want the belt. <laughs> business is slightly up. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably not from Eligante, but maybe because of, um, you know, there was a lot of flair sting fatigue at that time because they were they were continuing to do that match. And, uh, you know, they had been the go to match for for a little while there. So I think some of that was probably just fatigue of them going around the loop time and time again. I think there's also a curiosity, too, when you have a seven foot seven guy versus your champion who's what, six foot. Was he about, how tall is he? Six foot one, I believe. Right. Yeah, probably. And, you know, you think, like, how is he going to beat him? You know, like, you know, how, you know, obviously disqualifications and stuff like that. But uh, from my understanding, their matches weren't that bad. Flair did a, a really good job at Elegante. Actually, I really, I've only seen them brawl on TV and Flair chopping and, and Elegante no selling, you know, that great. I love that stuff. Um, 
but I, I I hope I wish there was handheld footage out there. I want to see I want to see Eligante versus Ric Flair match. I want to see a whole thing from bell to bell. <laughs> well, it's got to be better than the uh, the the giant Gonzalez and, and Undertaker match for WrestleMania. I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, okay, so. The last thing, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this uh, We Want Flair. And like I said, in, in next week, we take a week off, and then we will kick off the the Super Brawl match with Flair and Fujinami. And the sort of the post-effects of, of that match is, is huge in that story. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to pose a question to you that uh, Big Dave brought up in the conversation I had with him last week, which is, what if... Randy Savage uh, and Ric Flair had the match at SummerSlam, which means that Ric Flair would leave WCW to go to, to WWF. And, you know, this is right in the middle of sort of the build to the mega powers exploding, right? Like, so there's lots of like pieces here. And, you know, at, at some point, um, Tully and Arn come in as well after, you know, uh, I, 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 are they there by 89? No, no, they're, they're there by, um, October of 88, right? Cause okay, they dropped the belts to the midnight express at the, was it September? I believe, I think, yeah, it was, I think it was like sometime in September that the Midnight Express won the uh, tag titles from them and, and the house show in Philadelphia. And and so, you know, there, there's lots of stuff going on at the time. And so I was just posing to you earlier, you know, think about how, what, what, what do you think would happen? How would wrestling have changed? What would that mega power story have been? You know, how do you delay it? Is Flair involved in the mega powers exploding rather than, you know, the, the boss man and Akeem thing that they did for mm-hmm. the for the um, Saturday Night Main event? Like, how do you think that would have changed things? That's a good question. I think they 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 may have been put in that spot that Akeem and and uh, and Big Bossman had. Maybe it's you know Flair and uh, well Barry Windham won't be there at the t- you know time because Barry Windham doesn't come until uh, early '89 or, or spring of '89. So it could have been Arn or it could have been Flair and someone else. Flair and Perfect. Flair and. Our, our buddy Chris, yeah, our buddy Chris mentioned uh, Rude for a possible fourth spot, uh, or a possible um, not fourth spot at that time, but possible possibly being in the mix as far as like a WWF version of the Horseman. Yeah, yeah, I don't see Rude as a, I see Rude as the leader, but not the the follower in that that group at the time. But he was still young, right? He was still the up and coming guy but uh I, you know i'm glad it didn't happen honestly in a lot of ways because you know one of my favorite programs of all time is savage and hogan and i don't know if vince would really want to disturb that that build right i think he was already well ahead with that and into that program so um, i can see definitely flair getting involved with maybe on an undercard with someone you know and i, I don't know who uh what undercard babyface is around at the time? I'm trying to think anyone that you know, not Beefcake, right? No, Beefcake, no, not yet. That was '89. Is his his run as babyface? Uh, well, you know, so singles. I, I think I think you know what they could have done um, is let's say Savage and Flair have that match at SummerSlam '88, and Hogan accidentally is involved in in the finish, and, and Flair wins the match, and then. You have your two top baby faces vying for 
the title match against Flair, and that could have been a way for them to kind of get to the breakup as well. You, I mean, you, you obviously you postpone it for a little while. You probably don't do it at WrestleMania five. Um, it's probably gets postponed a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the following SummerSlam, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you could have done something there. Um, I, I would have. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is on the flip side is you don't get the great 89 of flair and mm-hmm. funk right and then or the flair steamboat. And steamboat yeah so that that's a that that changes the game there too like how does wcw change they're probably going out of business well yeah they're going at they're they're going out of business but ted turner's not buying it without rick flair what are they full steam ahead with uh lex luger and like what would even be their top program with no flair in in late 88 I think Lex would be definitely moved up as top heel. I'm sure they'll turn him. They probably go to, uh, maybe they even go to Lex and Sting a little early, though Sting wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. that guy yet. Or Barry. Barry's still there in 88. They can maybe make a play. It's like, hey, now this is your turn to be the guy, the top heel here in uh, you know NWA. Um, he didn't leave till, like I said, early 89. So in 88, summer of 88, they can say, hey, the ball is yours. Um Steve Williams is not that guy. It's just like a promo, you know. You know, he's a badass, but I don't know if he's that guy for the top heel. So they. Would I, wonder, be- I wonder if du- I wonder if Dusty really thought anything of Rick Steiner, or he just knew that that would be uh, that that could be the guy just to beat Flair to get him out of there. I think he just was messing with Flair and he's trying to do something. I, you know, I think also at the same time too, he was trying to you know he you know Steiner was hot. As yeah. a babyface at the time, with this issues with the varsity club and turning babyface, so I thought he thought maybe he'd catch lightning in the bottle here and do a quick shocking, you know, child change. I'm sure maybe Flair would probably get it back or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Steiner. I think Steiner was was positioned perfectly as a tag guy when his, when Scott came in. Mm-hmm. And and both of them seem to be way more comfortable doing that mm-hmm. anyways. Because part of the reason why Scotty never never jumped out until later is because he just felt so much more comfortable in the tag team. And he didn't have his personality yet. Like he didn't let his asshole Scott Steiner come through, right? Till yeah. do a big pop a pump, right? So I think once yeah, he got exactly. that, then but unfortunately once he became he found his character as Big Papa Pump, his body was already turning against him and you know but then again he's still wrestling here in NWA. So oh I mean he's God. not he's not of course Scott Steiner from nineteen ninety, but you know, he's he's still out there though doing his thing. All those Frankensteiners and those Steiner screwdrivers. Oh, my gosh. All those moves that he was doing with that gigantic body and just took a toll. Yeah, I, 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 but I would think that WCW would close down. I would I would think Turner would think, like, hey, we can't do this without without Ric Flair. And, and it'd be interesting, what if they closed down? Where guys, like, I'm sure Lex Luger goes to WWF, right? I'm sure yeah. Steen goes to WWF. Um you know, I th- I sure Rip Morgan won't go to w- WWF. Jack, Vic- <laughs> Jack Victory is not going to make it to WWF. He knows a hell of a worker. Um, but you know, where does the Midnight's go? They well, they do. It, it, you know, Ron Simmons, I bet, would be picked up just because he's you know his look. But then, or or he goes to Japan and Steve Williams goes to Japan and if that's that's interesting to me. Like, what would happen to all the rest of the roster from the mm-hmm. NWA? Was was Rick Steamboat? Does he go back to retirement? And what does Terry Funk do? Terry Funk probably Japan, right? I would think. Yeah, there's, but there's probably, probably what happens is, is uh, somebody decides to create something to, to compete because, you know, earlier in that year would have been, um, 
Yeah, I guess the year before would have been the merger with the UWF. So, the, so Bill Watts is not around. Um, you know the world class and all that. They're trying to, you know, they're, they're AWA. They're trying to coach this, yeah. yeah, together. So, I it, it may it may be it may be someone like ESPN going like, hey, like all these guys who are who WWF, you know, doesn't want. We want to. You know, we want to put together something that would have been interesting, like to see what would happen. I mean, maybe nothing happens. Maybe like, but I, you would have imagined, you would have thought like someone would have tried to to put those guys together and 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 find a a network to. Yeah, I to mean, go or maybe t- Ted still would have purchased it honestly. In the end of the day, because he was so loyal to pro wrestling on his channel, maybe he's like, shoot, don't got Ric Flair, but I'm I'm gonna buy it and give you guys a chance for you know and see how it goes and. Like I said, I think yeah, Barry. I think Barry would definitely be the first first person to take that spot as a top heel in the company for sure. Dusty would have had to talk Ted into believing that. No, oh, you know, Rick. Rick was just not. He just didn't want to be with us, man. Like you know, we're the ones. And yeah. To get Ted to to stick around. Um, cool. All right. So that is the end of uh, of our first. We want a full uh, full show for January. And, uh, you know, we have the uh, the on my Twitter page, we have the the um, schedule for the first six months. So uh, and we'll kick it off again in February. We'll take a week off next week just to kind of gear up and, and get ready for for February to tell the uh, the Super Brawl story. But I think that is it. So uh, just a couple more things about the website. I think we're going to have a UFC preview up at some point. I will have the running play-by-play for that show on Saturday night. So if you are unable to watch it for whatever reason, you can find the running play-by-play on Fight Game Media. And uh, and yeah, so you know we have a lot of content up. We'll keep we'll keep pushing up out as much stuff as we can over the next couple weeks. Obviously Royal Rumble is going to be big next weekend as well. So uh, yeah, so John and I will be back next week to talk about the Royal Rumble. If anything comes out of this UFC show that is uh, business uh, for, for business that's important, we'll talk about it. Uh, and when is the, um, the NWA pay-per-view? Is that also next week? Damn. I don't even know. I'm not really following too much. Uh, actually, God, is it late? Is it? Is it? Yeah, is it? Uh, is it the last Saturday of uh this month? It is. So. Yeah, it is. Or the either that or no, the first it's Saturday. Actually, of the month. next Friday. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try. Uh, we'll see. We gotta we gotta put our schedules together. Uh, another person who uh, is is uh, is on our in our group, uh, Matt Mixon. He has a podcast with uh, with some friends, and he is super hyped for the NWA product. So I we we're going to try to put something together. If we can, it'll be along the lines of a of a preview for the Hard Time Show, which means I got to catch up because I haven't watched in a little bit. But uh, that's what we're going to try to do as well if we can. So few few things. I would kinda... watch it. I would watch it if it was just in a bigger building. You know, if it didn't look like the same show on, um, I know they do a little different the entrances and stuff, but like in the studio, but like it would be nice. If it was like in a, in, in a, in a bigger building, you know, for the, for their pay-per-views. So uh, we'll see. I hope it's a good show. It'll uh, be a good show It'll be Nick solid. Aldis and a flip Gordon is the, uh, is the main event. Yeah. Which was, 
that's a surprising twist. I thought for sure we're building to Marty Scroll, but maybe that's for a future, definitely a future event there, you know, coming up. All right. So uh, that is it from here. We will see you next week for John. I am Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out.